being a dad is the most important role a man will ever have. You might be a father to your own children. You might be a father to children that are not biologically yours. You might be a father figure for children without a father. But no matter what you are, you are the earthly father they look up to. Hello, I'm Adam, and this is the Dad's God and Donuts podcast. Hey everybody, I'm so excited for episode three of my interview with Kent Evans. We have spent the last two weeks talking about the two chapters from his book that is called Bring Your Hammer, 28 Tools Dads Can Grab from the Book of Nehemiah. It's an amazing book. This week we're going to wrap up our conversations talking about proclaiming God's word regularly. So without further ado, let's listen to part three of my interview with Kent Evans. Well, again, for the third week, we have Kent Evans back with us. It has been such a great two weeks. If you haven't had a chance to listen to the first two episodes, they came out amazing. I, As I said before, I had a blast recording with Kent. We are talking about a book that he wrote with Eric Ballard called Bring Your Hammer, 28 Tools Dads Can Grab from the Book of Nehemiah. And we've been, we chatted for two chapters about about how the godly dad risks comfort to pursue calling, intercedes on behalf of his family. And this week, we are going to jump into chapter 22, which is the godly dad proclaims God's word regularly. So, Kit, it is amazing to have you back. Thank you so much for just just taking the time to be here with me. It means a lot. And I've just had fun. How are you doing? I'm doing great, brother. Thanks for having me on. I love being with you. Ah, and... I've had, I kept telling my wife, I was like, this was just so much fun. It's, it motivates me. It gets me inspired. And it's, I'm talking in, in church about doing maybe like a, we're looking at like maybe like a three week dad symposium, trying to figure out what to do with that, where to take it from there. Uh, but yes. I, go, I want dads talking and that that's the goal of the, the program I'm trying to put together. Well, step one, you have to come up with a different name than dad symposium because no oh, dads yeah. even know what the word symposium means. It's called dad well, conversations. There we go, because we can't even we don't even have time to go look up the S's in the dictionary. There's just not enough time. I don't know if I can spell symposium, I'll be honest. <laughs> but as I say, we're we're gonna talk about chapter twenty-two. The godly dad proclaims God's word regularly. This feels like the um for sake of another way to say it, the I'm too cool to talk like that chapter, which, you know, <laughs> sending us back to high school or junior high when, you know, we didn't talk about things because we didn't want to seem like a, a little kid. Faith conversations can seem like that sometime. Don't, 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 do you think so? Uh, it depends on what you mean by that. In other words, if a dad hears us saying, hey, man, you got to proclaim God's words regularly as if he needs to be wearing robes and speaking in King James English, then <laughs> yeah. yeah, that dad deserves the label idiot across his forehead because that's what he's going to get. Instead, instead, what we mean by that is if you know God's word and you can apply it to everyday life. So for example, for example, I'm talking with my seven-year-old the other day about him uh, doing something to his brother and that's not pleasant. You know, he's being uh, irritating. And I'm asking my seven-year-old, hey man, what does God say about how we're supposed to love one another? Is, was Jesus this way? And so here's what I would argue. I would argue that that whole conversation between my seven-year-old and me was great foundation for me to talk to him about God's word on into the future. I didn't have to go, thus declares your father. <laughs> no, it was more like, can I bring God's word to bear on his actual life 
at actually seven years old? And the answer is yes, yes, I can. And so can the dads listening to this podcast. And I think it goes back to a lot of what, you know, one of the first things we ever hear in writing or reading or things in school I heard as a high schooler was the old kiss method. Keep it simple, stupid. Yeah. And a lot of times we try to make it too complicated where I, I always tell people when I'm talking to my group with my dads that faith in Jesus is very simple. You got to say, hey, I believe in you. But then it gets complicated and it gets harder as you put forth that effort. But you start with that foundation. And a lot of times uh, we try to make something too complicated. I was talking to you before about – and people on the podcast have heard me say how sometimes I'm frustrated. I'm like, I want to talk to more people. I want people to hear. I feel like God's telling me these things. But you're like, hey, time's going to come. It's, it's going to get there. And I'm trying to make it too complicated. Well, I think for uh, most of the dads listening, um, that's a temptation. Right. The temptation is to make fatherhood a lot more complicated than it needs to be. It's plenty complicated all on its own. Right. We don't have no sense making it worse. Um, it's it can be pretty complicated, but there are some simple kind of core principles. If you've ever had uh, any kind of significant pressure in your life, whether it's economic or relational or even if you've had a health challenge, you understand this idea that at some point you end up focusing on what is right in front of you. Right. So the cancer patient is thinking about their next treatment and they're not necessarily thinking about their 10 year ROI for their mutual fund stock portfolio because they have more pressing issues right this minute. And so for me as a dad, when the, when life is swirling and there's a thousand things I can be focusing on and I feel like I'm about to get out of control from a level of complexity standpoint, and there's too much coming at me. When I go to zone in, kind of, I'm from Kentucky, so I think of a horse with blinders on. When I go to put my blinders on, what I'm staring at at the other end of those blinders is God's word. So for me, as life ramps up and gets more and more uh, complicated and difficult, the more time I'm going to spend sitting at God's feet by reading his word, because that helps me focus and reduces the noise, reduces the noise down to what I can control and uh, dads tend to run lots of other places. They run to some self-help book or a podcast or whatever, which these aren't bad things. You and I both run podcasts. Come listen to my podcast. But I want my podcast to steer you back to God's word at some point. That's what I'd love to have happen because that's the only thing that's really eternal. That's the only thing that's really stable and will be here forever. Yeah, I 100% agree. And I let you all state it so well in the book where you say, in the scope of eternity, spiritual health is far more vital than all other aspects of a kid's growth. And we seem to spend all that time, you know, running to soccer, dance, work, getting groceries, lawn, chores, swim team, et cetera. I and mean, we could go on forever. And a lot of times we're like, hey, how can we get that? There's no time in the day. I, I, I realize once we get started in school, Thursday is the only night I'm home. <laughs> I'm doing something with kids. I got a small group and yeah. how do we put that spiritual health in the forefront? How do we pause? What do we like? It's like, how do we make our minds go? Hey, we got to stop. We need to pause. We need to make sure that this is the priority. This is why we're doing it. Yeah. I think practically speaking, um, a lot of the challenge, the biggest challenges I have as a father is when I'm trying to live as a dad or a husband out of only my own strength. And so what I would encourage most dads to do is 
they need to be spending time in God's word themselves for their own personal growth. And then you just find it naturally flows out of you. It doesn't make you like you're floating above the circumstances or you don't have any trouble. It just means that instead of approaching life, like every challenge and every comment and every discussion in our house, you know, I'd love to, ha I'd love to be at a place where all those discussions and all those challenges are viewed through the lens of the gospel and what's most important mm -hmm. long-term, what's most eternal. But we tend to, you know, mess it up by focusing on politics or this church sermon or that, you know, worship song or this financial problem or this relationship or this educational philosophy or whether you should have a tattoo or whether you should have a pride flag or whatever your issues are. We get all focused on that stuff, all of which will burn up, all of which will not last for eternity. The only thing that's going to last for eternity, God, Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit, God's word. He says my word is eternal. My word is eternal. Wow, that's amazing when we think about it. And so sometimes we just need a more healthy daily discipline of our own quiet time, our own time in God's word. That's usually, dads ask me all the time, hey, what are the secrets? You know, what's a couple things? And I go, ask better questions and read God's word. That's kind of the two-part formula to being uh, a dad who's engaged and doesn't feel like, you know, uh, a complete failure every day of the week. Hey. You're, you're taking all my notes here, man. That's just let you leave my clock. <laughs> I love it. That's, and that's so important. And that's the hardest thing a lot of times for some of us to just take that couple of minutes to sit down. And I think a lot of us, a lot of everything that we don't do is due to fear. Yeah. And one of the things that's, that I tell my group uh, or we talk about often is the fact that our most important mission field right now is our kids. The book, you all go on to say that we are the priest of our house and that our flock is our kids. Or it says our flock lives in our house even. And that probably scares scares guys. And they're like, hey, hands off, hands off. Mom will take care of it. And when in our house, we make, we make it a team. We, we know that we're both there for the kids. I make sure it's a priority for me. And that's the hard part that a lot of times – guys miss out on that and they feel so ill-equipped so one of the you all you go through and we're going to jump through the four steps that you talked about in the in the chapter about how to almost get into god's word and the first step you all had was to create time and space so if there's that dad who's like man i am busy i get up at five in the morning i jump on where i'm living in virginia where a lot of the dads are on the Interstate 66 going to DC for at least two, three hours a day, you know, back and forth. And then I work all day. Then I get home and then I might have to take, I might have to go coach baseball. And then I get home and then the dark, it's dark outside. I'm going to bed. What would you tell him or how would you tell him to start reading the Bible if it's not part of his life? And a follow up to that for the other dad, what encouragement would you have for dads who read the Bible but need to be more consistent? Mm. Um, I remember one time, uh, Adam, I was riding in the car with my niece and my nephew and, uh, they were probably, I don't know, 10 years old at the time, 10 to 12 in that range. And my niece said something and my nephew didn't quite grasp it. And he said to her, he goes, Hey, could you dumb that down? And my niece's response was brilliant. She goes, why don't you smart it up? which I thought was hilarious. <laughs> I thought that was absolutely hilarious. I've laughed about that for now almost 15 years since it happened. Um, 
And here's the thing about um, the reason I share that, the reason I share that. If you don't have enough time to get in God's word, go figure it out. Like, I mean, smart it up. Like, sorry, but there's not a better answer. Um, for the dad listening to this show who goes, gee, I got, I'm really busy. Yeah, so am I. So is Adam. So is everybody. Busyness has never, ever been an excuse for bad prioritization, right? You've got dad listening, whatever dad is listening, you got the same amount of hours in the day as Abraham Lincoln, Marie Curie, Oprah Winfrey, whoever you want to hold up as your role model. You don't need a 26 hour day. You don't need a 30 hour day. What you need is what is your priority? What is your priority? So for example, let's say you live in the big Metro and you got a one hour commute. That's uh, 700 hours a year ballpark that you're going to spend in a commute. Do the math. What could you do with 700 hours? Now, 25 years ago, I'd argue, okay, you got limited options. You don't have multi broadband and all this stuff. But now my goodness, you could learn, you could learn French in six months on your stupid commute, right? It's a matter of what do you want to do with that time? So if you have a big, long commute, awesome. Don't just listen to random stuff on the phone. Decide to yourself, hey, man, here's what I want to do. I want to know the book of Romans. So what I want to do is I'm going to go get three audio books on the book of Romans. I'm going to listen to the Bible on tape. And, and I say tape, goodness. Tape. I'm my age. <laughs> I was going to laugh. <laughs> my age. So then what, what happens for most of us is we're letting life come at us without any thoughtfulness or any intention. And I understand that, right? I'm a busy guy. I got five kids. My oldest is married. We just went to see him. My youngest is seven. I've got stuff happening in the home, outside the home. I'm on the board of our own ministry. I'm uh, an advisor to others' ministries. I run a podcast. I write books. I speak in public. I lead a nonprofit. I've got to raise money. I could go on and on and on. The only question is not, am I busy? The question is, have I prioritized my work appropriately? Because all of us have more to do than we can cram and do a 24-hour day. However, that's not an excuse. That's not an excuse. The only question is, what's more important? You managing your stock portfolio or you knowing God's word? So if you spend an hour a week messing around with your 401k, here's what I would suggest. Spend five minutes a week. Map it to the S&P. Stop pretending you're Warren Buffett and you're going to outsmart the market. Let it ride. Forget about it. And instead, spend those other 55 minutes reading God's word. I'm just telling you, it comes down to how are we prioritizing our lives? And for me, I have this target in my head, right? In the center of the bullseye, my walk with God. The next ring out, my relationship with my wife. The next ring out, my relationship with my children. The next ring out, everything else comes in like fourth or worse. Because for me, that's where I want my priority to be. And people could say, oh, it's easy for you to say, you run a ministry. You, you can create your own schedule. Yeah, but I didn't always, right? I spent two years. I went to France six times, Germany, London. I was flying over the Atlantic more than most people drive to work. Yet, yet, we wrote a lot of our curriculum while I flew on those airplanes. And so dads can do this. They can do this. It starts with prioritization, not with a bunch of free time, because none of us have free time. I love that. The priority, it just, it's figuring out, like getting your, yourself in focus, going back to your horse, your horse analogy from Kentucky, you got to have those blinders on to get yourself yeah. looking forward. And we and then talking about, we have things that many generations didn't have literacy. Basic literacy is one that, you know, a couple hundred years ago, most <laughs> people couldn't point. read. 
Yeah. You you would go to church, it'd be in Latin. So you didn't even know what they were saying anyway. So you had to you had to hope somebody would tell you who Jesus was. You'd hear it. <laughs> uh, my dad set the model for me. He he drives a, a truck parts truck and he's driven different trucks over the year. But I, I think I don't even know how many times, but he has James Earl Jones reading the Bible on tape. Uh, you run you, you That's awesome. And he just would listen to that throughout the year. And I think it's just a matter of us we getting rid of the excuses, and we have those options. We like the U version Bible app is like the greatest thing ever given to us for guys who some guys are like, I'm not a reader. Okay, listen to it. Reading's a, a is a good habit as we're getting into the word as you get farther on. But hey, if, if nothing else, listen to it. that's I listen to the Bible while I'm cooking my eggs in the morning. Yeah, I actually listen to the Bible in the shower in the morning. So you can hear the Bible going from my shower time till I'm done cooking in the morning going through as I'm listening to right now Isaiah going through. But we have yeah. those resources. We have – I mean for crying out loud, my son and I are actually watching a – we're doing the Gospel of Matthew, but it was made as a movie. So they're reading the Gospel verbatim. Yeah. Um, it's, it's an app we caught called – it's through Lumo. And they're reading it, but there's some people on the screen acting out what's going on. So yeah. the resources are just amazing that we yeah. have that we just got to make sure we use them. Well, and I would encourage guys to think that's a great example, by the way, of what you and your son are doing. Exactly. We got a lot of options these days. I would also encourage dads to be really cautious about the scripts that they tell themselves over and over again. Mm -hmm. Right. So when someone comes at me and they go, well, I'm just not a reader. Uh, what I like to normally do is just go, then you're destined to be a failure your entire life just to just to shock them a little I mean just to kind of like it's the verbal equivalent of a shirt collar like I want to grab them by the shirt collar because here's the deal um, I heard a quote the other day which this is ridiculous that I'm gonna quote the movie Kung Fu Panda 3 okay yes. I know that's completely ridiculous but Master Shifu played by I think Dustin Hoffman yeah uh, said in the movie if the only things that you do are what you can do you will never be more than you are. What a great line. I mean, what a great line. And I hear these same scripts over and over again. Well, I'm just not a reader. Well, my dad wasn't very smart. Well, I don't got a lot of time and on and on. And I could go write a book on the top eight stupid scripts every dad says to himself over and over again, and he should probably stop saying them. That actually might not be a bad book. Adam, you and I can co-author it. <laughs> <There you go. clears throat> but here's the deal. The more my pastor once did a sermon on identity, and he talked about how um, he goes, if you say something long enough, even if it's not true, it will act upon you psychologically as if it were true. Like you can you can your brain has this capacity to believe something that's untrue if you just hear it often enough. It, it, it can put a rut in your brain, a chemical pathway where you start to believe it. And so some of our dads, they need to go read the book of Nehemiah. Uh, like you and I are talking about, even if they don't, don't get my book, just go to the Bible and read the book of Nehemiah and look at what Nehemiah knew and look at what Nehemiah did as he led the nation of Israel, as he led Jerusalem, because he knew God's word. Like he knew it, he knew it. And so you go, well, I don't know it very well. Then solve the problem. Like, I mean, <laughs> I know, neither do I. And so let's go solve the problem together as men because it's really, really important, right? We can't lead our families well, faithfully, biblically, 
gospel-centered family leadership doesn't happen from someone who doesn't know God's word. So let's go solve that problem. And we'll find that even an ounce of effort, sometimes we get a pound of blessing. God, God rewards that kind of effort, even if it's kind of like mine. It's just kind of sloppy and haphazard. Dads can do this. I know they can. And I commend you for taking your son through something where you guys are doing it at the same time. And it's, and it's something y'all can do together. Yeah, it's been fun. It's something we started, even when my daughter was in the car years ago, we would just, there's a, an app that we used to the church. That, we'd watch little cartoons, pause and talk about them. And it was just fun. But it, you're, what you're saying there sort of made me think about my job as a teacher. I start in kindergarten every year when they're doing their first activity because kindergarten is like, oh, I can't do anything. I, don't <laughs> I look at them and say, I'm going to teach you a bad word. And you see the good kids going, ah! all the other kids like, oh, yeah. They get all excited. I'm like, I'm going to teach you a really bad word. Do you want to hear it? No. Yeah. No. Yeah. And then we go through the whole diatribe, you know, goofing off with kindergartners. I'm like, okay, the word is can't. They're like, what? Yes. I said, nice. the moment you say that word, your brain shuts down. Yeah, exactly. You can say, I, this is hard for me. You can say, this is a challenge. But the moment you say that. You were shut down. Your brain saying, cool, not going to do it. And I'm starting the school year talking about baseball players and how, you know, the best baseball player hits the ball three out of every 10 times. The worst baseball player hits the ball two out of every 10 times. But every time they miss it, they when you make a mistake, you learn it because a lot of dads are afraid to make mistakes. If I read the Bible and I understand it wrong, I'm going to make a mistake. But if I miss the baseball, I then learn how that pitcher is doing, throwing the ball. And the next time I know to adjust my swing with him. And it's exactly. So important. Speaking of things that I always said I can't do and I'm terrible at is the second thing you, that you all said to do as you're growing in spiritual. I hate journaling. I will say it out loud. I, It's one of like, I don't know. I like to write. I like to talk. It's weird. But journaling for some reasons, that thing in my brain, that might be my what's can't the problem. difference when you say I like to write, what's the difference between writing and journaling in your a, mind? A pencil? I don't know. There, there's something within it that it, it, for some reason, my life has been a struggle. I, I, it's, it might be because journaling's always came as an assignment, maybe, and that's the rebellious Adam. Uh, I, I can't pinpoint it, but it's gotten better that I started using the Bible app to just type notes in. So having that app there, and I'm, I'm old, so I type with one finger. You see, I see people with thumbs. I don't know if you're a thumb typer or not. That amazes me. Yeah. And I'm a, I'm I type, a mix. You're a, oh, yeah, I try. I can't. I don't know. I have to see myself on video. I really don't know, actually. Yeah, that's, I mess up because I got little fat fingers too. And it's but I'll, <laughs> but on Sundays I'll type the sermon notes in there. So in my Bible app now, I have written the sermon. The sermon notes are in the Met. So I'll see a highlighted passage has that. So I've gotten a little better. I'll, and then during COVID, I got where I, when I had some of them when you know that time that I had the extra twenty six hours. But I, <laughs> I was writing like notes like in the side of my Bible. So sorry, yeah. Catholic friends. The my wife would forget a little bit, but have at times done that because the thought of a notebook, a diary, a journal, whatever you want to call it, seems so daunting and terrible to me. I, But there's different forms of journaling. I consider, my wife talked, this podcast is my journaling. It's sort of came yeah. out that way. Um, it It is for sure my free counseling. <laughs> um, so if anybody wants to send me a, a bill, go for it. But I've learned how to, how to adapt adapt how I do thoughts. What strategies do you have for other dads who have that journaling block meant, you know, how well, to approach I, it even? Here's, here's maybe this suggestion that's perhaps at the bottom of, 
I, I don't think there's some um, like we tend to make we tend to make idols out of whatever our habits are, right? So, for example, the guy who believes you should wear a tie every Sunday, he wears a tie every Sunday, and if you don't wear a tie, you're apostate. The guy who doesn't believe in tattoos he believes if you get a tattoo, you're going to hell. And so there we go. And so some folks who become a proponent of some particular spiritual discipline, going on a mission trip, prayer every morning, whatever your spiritual discipline is, you tend to make it an idol. It's just human nature, right? Um, what I'm not necessarily going to die on the, the hill of, well, if you don't journal, you're not a real man. That's not the hill I'm going to die on. But here is the hill I will die on. If you do not live a thoughtful and reflective life, you're probably missing some obvious things. And I think journaling is one way, one method to helping you live that thoughtful and reflective life. So there's plenty of scriptural support for uh, times when we need to understand our own motives, times when we need to understand uh, how we are responding to certain situations, times when we are fearful or worried or anxious. Uh, those are not good times. We are not to be fearful or worried or anxious. And so a lot of dads just suffer from a, a unexamined life, right? And, and a life where you go, man, Sometimes I look back on some of my, not journal entries, because I'm really not quite that focused and disciplined of a journaler myself. I might write in my uh, journal two to three times a week. Um, and normally I'm either writing out a prayer or I'm writing out my thoughts or I'm writing out scripture longhand. I'm just reading a scripture and writing the whole thing out. And the reason I do that is because one, it helps me crystallize my thoughts. Sometimes seeing something on paper, like demystifies it and makes it less of a boogeyman when I can just say, Hey, my, my challenge today is, you know, I got to pay that bill and I don't know where the money's going to come from, you know, or I've got to mend that relationship. And I was a jerk. Awesome. I'm going to text that person right now. Like just sometimes just seeing things on paper has a way of releasing a lot of the negativity. And then conversely, sometimes just seeing things on paper has a way of bringing things to life that are otherwise a little dead and wooden. So that's like God's word sometimes. If I can write it out, I can go, man, look at that. Look at that scripture quote. And it slows me down and it forces me to be thoughtful and be reflective. And I really think that's more the leverage point. Whether you journal or not isn't quite the point. The point is, do you have a rhythm of being thoughtful and reflective about your life, your walk with God, your prayer life, those kind of like slower motion type behaviors, I think are, are really key to living uh, the Christian life. I love that. Yeah, it's amazing, amazing. And something you said there was talking about writing down. I noticed for me when I, when I was in school, in one co I'm in school every day, but when I was in college, if I took notes and went to class and I wrote things, they went to my brain. That's just the kind of learner I am. If I miss class, I was well, Here's the thing, Adam. Here's the thing. That's not the kind of learner you are. That's the kind. Every human is that way. People believe there are the, all these 15 different learning styles. I, there's a ton of research coming out that talk about the learning style movement of are you visual? Are you auditory? Are you textual? There's a lot of new data, if people want to go read it, on the fact that pretty much all of us are multi-sensory learning style dependent because that's the way God wired us. In other words, if you hear something and then you hear something and read it, and then you hear something and read it and do it, and you hear something and read it and do it and write it, it goes deeper. It goes deeper. That's true for everybody. 
Now, we might have little propensities here and there, but don't kid yourself if you're a dad going, oh, I'm just an auditory learner, and so you're never, ever going to write anything down. Nah, you've, you've, written, you've read too many pop psychology books, and <laughs> you, you need to go look at what happens to the guy who writes down God's word. It's a good thing, I promise. Well, and that's step three there of getting into the word was to commit it to memory. So I'm showing you a blurry version. I, as old guys, I, I remember as a kid, you know, you put something and even kids here that I'm teaching, it, their, their brains are spongy. My daughter can memorize a script in like no time without trying. And now I'm sitting here, I was like, I'm content to be a director because words don't stick in my brains. And I know most of us, like of our generation, basically have all the classic King James Version speakers, um, scriptures, <laughs> you know. We know the Lord's Prayer and then the churches argue over debtors or trespassers. We know Psalm 23 and everybody has John, you know, 316 or John 1135 guaranteed memorized. But... <laughs> How how would you tell a dad this day to go route committing having scripture as a foundation to understand things is so important, and I, I might have answered the question here as I spoiled it with what I started to do. I'll tell you more about what I did after I take after you tell me. But how would you tell a dad to go about committing it to memory or taking that next step after you've read, yeah. maybe after you've journaled? How do you do? What do you suggest? Well, one of the things that I suggest is what you said a moment ago to your kindergarten students. And that is, if you, if you come at me with the phrase, well, I just can't memorize. I've tried and I can't. Um, you know, uh, <laughs> I just, what's amazing about the human brain uh, is it listens to the mouth connected to it in a way that is unique to all other mouths. And so psychologically speaking, if I say something, my brain processes it in unique ways compared to say, for example, if Adam says something. That doesn't mean I believe myself more or less, it just means it goes into different places. And you can see all this with all the new brain science and research that's coming out. Um, no duh, right? Because God said, God said that, uh, some of the that the power of death and life is in the tongue mm -hmm. guess why guess why because you have the power it doesn't mean i can say adam die and you're going to die because i said it no it means that ideas can live or die based upon the utterance of my mouth and so for the dad a lot of dads just need to go back to the basic starting block of saying hey you can memorize scripture and how do I know that? Because God said, hide my word in your heart. Hide it in your heart. He never, ever, ever tells you to do something you cannot do. He never, ever, ever, ever. He's not just this frustration God going, hey, jump 20 feet in the air. <laughs> and then he elbows Jesus and goes, watch this. You know, none of them will be able to jump that high. You know, the guy who's jumped the highest ever in the... Olympics jumped like eight feet something eight foot one or two inches <clears throat> it's entirely likely that humanity will figure out how to jump eight foot three or eight foot six or eight foot nine but we're not going to figure out how to jump 60 feet yeah. it's just not going to happen like Jesus will come back before we ever set a new Olympic record of 59 feet seven inches it's just not going to happen however God tells us to do certain things Adam and as a dad here's where you don't want to be as a dad fighting with God 
Yeah. You do not want to be, you don't want to go, I tell you what, I'm going to strap on my gloves. And in the blue corner, some stupid dad. In the red corner, the God of the universe. And you're going to go fight God. That is, a, that is a recipe for failure. And here's what I'm telling dads. God said, hide my word in your heart. Therefore, guess what? It's possible. Now, might the 52-year-old Ken Evans <laughs> need a little more time to memorize something than, uh, you know, the 12-year-old? Absolutely. Gosh, about four years ago, we did a family retreat for our family, and it was based on the book of Colossians, chapter 3. And one of my sons, who would have been at the time around 14, 13 or 14, memorized the entire chapter of Colossians 3, word for word, without one verb or one preposition out of place. Could I do that? Absolutely. Would it take me 10 times longer? Probably. Does that mean I should just stop and give up? No, because God said, hide my word in your heart. It doesn't mean I got to memorize all of Colossians 3, but I'll at least know a handful of verses so that God's word hides and lives and breathes in my heart. But tell me more about your method. You were holding up your memory card, and I'd love to know more about how you figured it out. Well, it's relatively new, actually. I, um, I was listening to the Sports Spectrum podcast. And on there, they were talking to a uh, fullback. I, I'm stuck on his name. I'm trying to pull it up right now. He's a fullback for Washington. Um, Jordan, Can I'm going to say his name wrong, Jordan Kanusik. And he was talking about like how he always has like cards with him. And it motivated me. And so I'm like, I have a desk here at my school. And so what I am going to start doing, what I, this is literally a newer thing. So this isn't anything that any genius thing I've had for years is – and I have boxes of index cards that I don't use anymore. So I'm writing a scripture here on my index card. It's sitting literally in front of my keyboard. So I'm sneaking Jesus into the school. <laughs> but I'm saying it out loud in the mornings. And I'm seeing it when I look down. Right now, it's Ephesians 4.2. I was trying to find something to start the year. It's be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. And yeah. it's there. I see it that I'm going to punch a hole and I'm going to eventually just sort of use a uh, – clip them all together so i have like a booklet kind of like the kids have flashcards. i'll have that and that's what jordan was talking about he had and i was like that's how dumb am i to not think about that you know it's so obvious mm. so easy and because years ago we tried doing something in our group and it failed miserably with timing i would put scripture on um labels put them on labels and then i would put the label and say put the label right on your steering wheel mm. yeah and i did that for a while then I fell behind and given them. So there was scripture right there on the steering wheel, but it's just to, to get it in your mind. Cause I, I can tell you where scriptures are, but I want to be able to now say, I can finish scriptures. I want to be able to start scriptures. And I think that's a part in being able to say, Hey, this is where it is. Cause I'm, I'm good at Google, but I want to be good at goggle. Goggle. <laughs> well, you know, what's interesting is a lot of the, um, I, I love the book of uh, Psalms and I love in particular Psalm 119. Uh, That's right. partly because it connects so much to God's word. It's just this long run on sentence about, you know, God's word and its importance in our life. <clears throat> uh, and if you read down through Psalm 119, which, you know, incidentally is the longest chapter in the Bible, you're going to find uh, a lot of connection between God's word and the life you want to live. So, so for example, let me come back to this idea. A lot of guys will go, I'm just not a reader. Okay. Tell me 10 people you respect a lot. Nine of them are readers. Like I'm going to guarantee that's true. That's just true. Almost always that's true. So if you want to become the guy you want to become, guess what? This paradigm, this script, you keep telling yourself, well, I'm just not a reader. It's going to have to be broken and reframed. Conversely, or, or 
the same way, go look at Psalm 119. For example, for example, Oh, that my ways may be steadfast in keeping your statutes. Blessed are those who keep his testimonies, who seek him with their whole heart, who do no wrong but walk in his ways. So you say to yourself, man, I sure would like to sin less. I'd like to stop being so angry. I'd like to stop being so selfish. I'd like to stop being such a jerk to my kids. Huh. Psalm 119 has something to say about that. And what it says is the more you know God's word, the more you're going to become the guy you want to become. For example, Psalm 119, verse 9. How can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to your word. Interesting. So what's one of the rampant problems in our culture these days? Porn. And what guys are doing as it relates to porn. Both old guys, 20-year-olds, 10-year-olds. It's, it's a rampant problem. What would Psalm 119.9 say about that? How can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to your word. Huh. So God's word has something to do with purity. Verse 11, I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Huh, interesting. These sin patterns in my life have something to do with God's word. Shocking. So as we go, as we go, dads, <clears throat> store God's word up in your heart. You will be surprised, perhaps, by the number of different ways it's going to serve you as a as a person to begin with, as a believer, just walking all by yourself, and as a husband, and as a dad, even as a worker, it's so important for us to store up God's word in our heart. It's, it's powerful. Even if you can't quote it chapter and verse, and you can't cite the exact scripture, store it up in your heart. Uh, yeah, and that leads to the fourth point here. Like, And I think we've almost talked about this point throughout the entire thing, which is share what you know, because if you don't know anything, you have nothing to share. And conversations with our families, you were talking about, you all had a retreat. I was talking about listening, my kids in the car, how we will, that's part of our morning devotional and, and just making time, putting your priorities. If our kids are our priorities, then we will share the word with them as they're going through. And that's it's if you if you believe in Jesus back to my original thing where I always call my faith my spider-man faith is like spider-man faith because you know with great power comes great responsibility so if you believe in Jesus you're going to do what Jesus tells you to do because a lot a lot of the simple like American new Christianity is okay I believe in God cool I'm a Christian check off on the tax rebate tax refund or whatever but wait no it's more like what Peter Park Uncle Ben said you now have great responsibility you've been told you the that is what you are to share. So you got to make time for it in your life. You got to, uh, my daughter, it was, it was kind of cool. Like she, she right now is dreaming of going into ministry. Uh, she's been motivated. We have missionaries at church right now. She's like, this is amazing. This is awesome. She comes out of youth group last night going, I am on such a church high. I am on a church high. I'm so great. I, my friend is going to come to church. She is, I'm going to invite her to youth group. I'm so excited to have her. And it's, it's because we're having the conversations. It's right. not just because she went on Tuesday. It's the connections. <laughs> right. It's that con that's what we teach in school now. Is you, you're making. It's not about just reading the book and answering. Well, who 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 jumped? Who went up and down the hill? Jack and Jill. No, it's about what connections do they make? Why? What? What can I do with this? And that's when you have that. My daughter always comes. Wait, wait. We were just talking about this. Now they're missioning in church. It's like God's talking to me. I was like, yeah. It's God's word in you talking to you as they. As it goes through you. So it, this is just powerful stuff, man. Yeah. Well, and, and for me, Adam, what I want to do is I want to normalize spiritual and biblical conversation, right? So in other words, 
Uh, so I lead a ministry. I write books about fatherhood. People might think every minute of every day I'm sitting at my house having some devotional where everyone's got their Bible out and a highlighter and they're making notes in the margin. It's really not like that, at least not at my house. However, God's word is infused throughout our life. Mm -hmm. And so when I say, hey, man, you need to make sure you tell that person thing X and it's a relational situation. Why? Because God hates a lying tongue and God, hate, like I'm trying to tie back. We don't have a lot of like Evans family rules around here, yeah. right? And we don't do things so that they can be good American citizens. We don't do things so they can be filling your political party of choice. We don't do things. So that's not the foundational like reason behind what we're suggesting as parents to our children. The foundational reason behind is because God's word is truth. His son, Jesus, died for our sins. Therefore, if we've accepted him as Lord and Savior, we ought to behave, you know, ways X, Y, and Z. And, yeah. and that's, the, that's the driving force. And I don't get it always right. I mean, it's not like I don't have this perfectly nailed. However, what I do know is I don't want my children to be good stewards of their money so they can just be rich and famous one day or so they can even have extra or so they can even necessarily give money away. There's a lot of philanthropists who are going to end up in hell because they don't know Jesus as their personal Lord and Savior. So giving money away isn't the answer. However, however, being generous. Now that I can tie back to scripture, being a good steward of your money, because in the end, it all came from God to begin with that. I can tie back to scripture, having some portion of your money go to the local church. That I can tie back to scripture. Like I can tie the core economic things. And I'm just using money as one example. Relationships, same way. Sexuality, same way. Free time and how we spend it, same way. Our bodily health, same way. We can tie that back to scripture or we can tie it to some other foundation. Like, you know, the latest Joel Osteen book or the latest Gary Vee book on social media influence or whatever. We, we could find other re things to tie it back to. But all that other stuff, even the Ken Evans book. If you if you tie your parenting philosophy to the book Bring Your Hammer, you're a fool. You're a fool. Uh, I think it's a good book. I wouldn't have written it. I wouldn't have published it. However, go through it and get back to the source. And the real source is God's word. And if we can tie our behavior, or like you said a minute ago, look, relational outcomes and decisions we're making about who we're inviting and who we're talking to about what, if we can tie that back to God's word, we're way ahead as dads and we're not chasing the latest fad or the latest cultural issue. Oh, yeah. And that's whenever I talk to the kids, I said, hey, no matter what we're going to do, it's this is from God, you know, this is why this, we're not making up stuff. I don't want to, we're not doing this to be mean. We want you to grow as people. My goal is not to create the next, whatever fad you want to say. I want you to create, I want a good human. I want you to create a good human who loves God and can go out and make a difference in the world. And that's our goal as a parent to, to get them there. So this has been awesome. I've really enjoyed this time and way back. So I talked to you about the entire so a while back about our our first conversations where you encouraged me, and I was actually email text messaging my pastor today talking about how you encouraged me when I was sharing the episode with him to um, keep doing what God is leading me towards. It, it actually made a difference in my confidence in my heart and gave a renewed spirit. It's, it was like an episode three weeks ago where I just talked about you before you even were on the podcast. Um, the fact that you were willing to set aside time to be here on this little podcast has actually meant the world to me. It's motivated. It's it's shown me that it's something you see as important too. Like I was lamenting yeah. to you before this, even you know, like hey, a couple of people. And so from the bottom of my heart, truly, really, 
thank you. Thank you for this time. Thank you for setting aside time. As we close out, what words of encouragement, advice do you have to share with the listeners as we wrap up week three of Kent Evans? Mm. Well, one thing I would say is you make me think of a couple scriptures. One is Galatians 6, 9. And I'm going to go from memory, but I don't think I have it memorized perfectly, but I'll get it really close. Let us not grow weary in doing well, for in due time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Uh, I think King James says, if we faint not. I love that language, if we faint not. Uh, <clears throat> so if you just stay upright, if you, <laughs> you just stay upright and don't faint, you will reap a harvest in due time. Do not grow weary in doing well. That is a verse I love to give to dads because dads need to hear that. Don't give up. My wife and I were just talking the other day. We're on boy number five, right? So we have, uh, we have 22, 20, 18, 11, and seven. Those are the ages of our boys. And April and I were talking the other day about our seven-year-old. And there's uh, something that we have employed as parents ever since, I guess, 22 years now or somewhat, you know, some 15 to 18 years uh, in that range. And that is consistency over time trumps novel ideas. Uh, consistency over time trumps novel ideas. And so we were just talking the other day about our, something that's going on with our seven-year-old. And I just said, well, we know how to handle that. We're going to stay consistent and we're going to stay consistent over, over time. And uh, as we stay consistent, we're going to leave the outcomes and the results up to God. We're not going to sweat outcomes and results. We're going to sweat faithful behavior, faithful, consistent behavior. And so a lot of dads are parenting like they go to work, right? They go to work, they make 10 calls, they land a deal, they get the sale, they get the commission, they get promoted. Or you go to work as a teacher, you do the lesson plan, kids learn something, they test out okay, you keep your job. Like we think of our jobs as these input-output exercises where we input X and we output Y. Well, parenting or fatherhood is a little bit more like input X, forget Y. Now, I'm not saying don't look at fruit. I'm not saying don't challenge behavior. All I'm saying is what I can control as a dad is my input, what I do, what I do. I'm going to be held accountable for whether I gave my children every opportunity to choose Jesus as their Savior. That's what I'll be held accountable for, not whether they chose him. Ultimately, that's up to them. That's up to them. And so for me, I'm just focused on faithful behavior. And Galatians 6, 9 goes a long way toward encouraging me to that. And I'm trying to place the verse. I had to look it up online. I'm kind of scrolling through a few right now. It says, let us encourage one another uh, today because the days are evil. Someone can go look it up uh, when they find out uh, what that one. Uh, first, I found one. First Thessalonians 5:11. Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up just as you're doing. I know there's one there. I also know there's one in Hebrews that I can't place and I'm going to try to find it before I get off. Ah, but encourage one another daily. This is Hebrews 3.13. As long as it is called today so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. Um, to be an encourager of other people is in fact one way that I prevent becoming a hardened cynic and a sinful jerk. So dad, here's the question. In your family, in your family, your wife, your children, who can you encourage today? And the odds are all of them at some level, probably go do it, go encourage 
your wife and your children. It's like fuel. It, you're building one another up. That verse in First Thessalonians, if I remember right, the, the word build up is, um, is the same word we'd use for like edifice or a building, the face of a building. It's like literally a construction term. You're, you're pouring into their lives bricks of encouragement and you're helping strengthen uh, their walk with the Lord the more you encourage. So go find somebody. My encouragement to dads is don't give up, Galatians 6, 9. And secondly, 1 Thessalonians 5, Hebrews 3, go find someone else to encourage. And as you do, you'll find that, you know, you yourself are encouraged in the process. Man, thank you so much. And if you haven't listened to the first two, the last two episodes of the podcast where we talked about the other two chapters, check them out. We've only talked about three chapters. In the book, there are 28 chapters with excellent lessons on being a godly dad using the book of Nehemiah. I strongly encourage you to check out the book wherever you get your books. A link's on the Amazon page. That's where I got it. Take a Take a moment to check out the Father on Purpose podcast. It's an amazing listen, just good, fun laughs. And you can check out the Manhood Journey webpage. There's awesome stuff. Ken's putting great stuff out there. He's His his heart is for men. His heart is for dads. He wants us all to grow closer to Jesus, closer to our families, just be amazing men on earth. So thank you again, Kent, for this awesome time. This probably was our longest one. I had a blast, man. Thanks, Adam. It's a pleasure to be with you, brother. Keep up the good work. Thanks. And everybody, we'll talk to you next time. Wow. I cannot begin to express how much fun I had speaking with Kent. I mentioned it many times in all three episodes of the podcast, but it is true. In my heart, there was so much fun I had with him. I really enjoyed the, the knowledge he shared, the, the encouragement he gave me, and hopefully you all felt the encouragement as well over the course of our discussions and our interviews during the time. Once again, the information about his book is in the notes. Check it out. I strongly encourage you to read it. Take some time. As we said in this episode, get into the Bible. If you ever need anything, prayer, direction on how to get into the Bible or plans or ideas, don't hesitate to hit me up. The, you can email me at dadguysanddonuts at gmail.com. You can check me out on the Facebook page. Message me anyway. I will get back to you. I am there for you. But before we go out, let me, let's close in prayer. Dear God, thank you for for Kent's passion for men, for Kent's passion for dads and wanting to just help men grow as better fathers and closer to you and fathers through you. Thank you for the time he gave us during this interview. Help his ministry to continue to succeed and thrive and help us as men to take the lessons, to apply them as fathers, as the priests in our households. Thank you for sending your son to give the ultimate sacrifice for us. Help us to teach our children of that, to lead because of that and to love because of that. Help us to always be your light on the hill and to show your love in all we do. In Jesus' name, amen. So everybody, I hope you have a wonderful week. I have had so much fun here that I'm gonna look for more people to come and chat it up with me here on some weeks of the Dad Gods and Donuts podcast. So have a wonderful week. I look forward to talking to you soon. And if you get a chance, check out Kent's book. Take time with your kids. Love on those kids. Give them hugs. Give them kisses. And show them God's love in all you do. Have a great week.